Hey guys, this is Michael Farmer, the pastor of Risen City Church in Charleston. We hope that you enjoy our podcasting of our service from Sunday. I hope that you enjoy it and that you'll join us in person on the west side of Charleston at our church location, 11 a.m., 1410 4th Avenue. God bless and have a great day. Scripture reading, we're in Luke 11, 37 through 54. As he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed that he did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and evil. Fools, didn't he who made the outside make the inside too? But give from what is within to the poor, and then everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees! You give a tenth of mint, rue, and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees! You love the front seat and the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you! You are like unmarked graves. The people who walk over them don't know it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. Then he said, Woe also to you experts in the law. You load people with burdens that are hard to carry, and yet you yourselves don't touch these burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, you build tombs for the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Therefore you are witnesses that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their monuments. Because of this, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible. Woe to you, experts in the law. You have taken away the key to knowledge. You didn't go in yourselves, and you hindered those who were trying to go in. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely and to cross-examine him about many things. They were lying in wait for him to trap him in something he said. Thank you. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Katie. Um, we're excited because uh, some of you all, and I've been very intentional over the last year or so, um, on the direction that God has given our heart to really focus on discipleship, focusing on preparing people to go out and to reach those who are lost. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it again over and over and over again. Our church is called to live out the great commandment, which is to love God, to love our neighbor, and the great commission, which is to go out and to make disciples of all of the nation. Um, that means getting outside of the walls of the church. That means going out, preparing ourselves. That means going out and meeting people where they are, because if we just focus on the outward appearance, are we actually truly following after Jesus Christ? Where's the heart of the matter? And I believe that as we 
get into the word of God, he calls and he yearns our heart to have a heart after him to go out and to meet those. So we're excited about Kara and coming, her coming on board with us. Um, I think in my mind, I had to ask her yesterday, I was like, when did you start coming to the church? I feel like you've been here forever. And it's like you kind of just showed up and we're just boom here. Kara won't talk about it, but she jumped right into Undefeated. She jumped right into United, has jumped into every single thing that we need as a church as we're building this small church. And we're excited for the opportunity that we have as a church to support a missionary who is going out. So what we are going to do, as she failed to mention, was that we as a church next week are going to give the offering that we take up. Tithe is still tithe, but the offering on that. We're going to be giving that to her as a gift to help support her ministries. And we ask and encourage you guys, if you guys want to support her, as she's going to be away for a month, because I mentioned that she won't be able to work for a month, that we want to help support the needs because that's what the church does. Um, We believe that we bring everything in the storehouse to support our neighbors and our friends and our families and hope that we can gladfully and joyfully do so. Amen, church? Amen. So we've got a, a graphic that'll go out um, tomorrow. I'll send it to her. It'll also be on our Risen City plant page. It'll have her information and also have some links on there if you want to give directly. So I encourage you guys to do that and to do so. Amen. Amen. We had a lot of scripture today, and I believe what we're going to do is um, I'm going to preach a little bit today on the, the scripture. Then next week, I'm going to take some time to break down this specific woes in here. All right. Um, what we see here is Jesus Christ. He has taken some time to go and eat with his friends, the Pharisees and the scribes. He's going out right now and he is reclining at table with them. Um, what we see here is a time where we see some confrontation that comes about in this moment. Jesus is sitting at the table and they ask him, Jesus, why aren't you washing your hands before you eat? This is straight up what he says here. And this is a moment when Jesus Christ is not afraid to be confrontational about what is being asked and what is being said. The core of this is that we have to understand that nobody likes confrontation. Nobody likes to correct somebody when they're wrong. And I I, honestly, I say, correct me if I'm wrong so we can do better and we can move forward. What we're seeing is that if you do not confront somebody or a person or a action when they are incorrectly working in the kingdom of God, there is a detriment to those who follow afterwards. We see here that Jesus Christ is concerned about what is being produced from the Pharisees and the scribes because of their hypocrisy in their teaching. He is saying that you all know the word, you know the scripture, but you're putting burdens on people that you yourself cannot bear. And that you yourself will not actually even help people to live out the standard. I said this last night. I kind of went on an Instagram kind of rant as I was preaching to myself a little bit in here. And I talked to a pastor earlier this week and it was such a great encouragement to me. And he reminded me that the church is meant to be the arm of showing who God is to a weary world around us. And in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we saw that there were prophets and that there were people who would go about and speak the word of God with there being compassion for those. But also they would speak the word of God, not caring about their own well-being. They knew that it would cost them something. They knew that it would it would hinder maybe their own personal growth, but it would advance the kingdom of God in the world around us. We see that in the New Testament, when the church went forward, there were signs and wonders that testified of God's goodness and it was needed. And now we see in our age 
The testament of the church is loving God and caring about justice and caring about those who are oppressed, caring about those who are dealing with great insurmountable sin and pain and suffering. A pastor friend of mine this week, he reminded me that we are to teach the commandments of the gospel, that we are to provide for the needs of people, not just say, I'm going to pray for you, not just say, I see the issue that you're going through, not just say, I see the injustice in your world and the neighborhood around you, but we are to seek and to save those who are lost and be a helping hand to those who are most in need. The world needs to see the church as a place with sound theology, but also a helping hand assisting those in our neighborhoods to safely pursue God. If we do not work to provide safe areas for people to safely pursue after God, then we are like the scribes and the Pharisees and we can be called about as hypocrites. We see that Jesus Christ in the scripture is at the table. And this would be something that would be considered very rude in today's age. And if you know me, I, I have a I can have a tempered mouth sometimes and I have to I'm learning how to quill it. But I also have friends who tell me that it's it's good for us to not forget that we have to speak truth to power. We have to speak truth to the powers to be because the produce of what they could be, um, what they could be seeding and planting can cause harm to the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ in this moment in time just starts to gun on the Pharisees and the scribes. If I can be very honest about what he is doing, he's looking at them and he's saying to them, hey, you care about me doing these ceremonial and ritual uh, mandates that are descriptive in the Bible but not prescriptive. If you read the Bible, there are things that are descriptive as to how people live their lives. It talked about how Solomon had billions, hundreds of wives and concubines. That is not something that is prescriptive. It is descriptive that was allowed in that moment in time. But what we see here is that the Pharisees and the scribes were trying to put things on the believers' lives that are not prescriptive. He essentially says to them in this moment as he rebukes them, he reminds the Pharisees that you all clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is nasty. My wife, Lauren, gets on to me because I, well, early on in our marriage, you know, we're guys, we don't care about cups. We got styrofoam and paper plates for years in our house. You know, um, we've got this Fiesta wear kit and stuff. And she would get on to me and say, why aren't you cleaning the outside of the cup? I'm like, the inside's good. What we got to worry about? That's what the nasty stuff is at. Don't look at me like that. I was young. It was dumb. I was 25. But it was a reminder that you have to clean the inside and the outside. But what we see here is that the church sometimes and the Pharisees and the scribes, they focused more so on the outside, making sure that you were inward, inward, making sure that you were outwardly good. But the inside and the heart of the issue is that they were wicked still. Jesus Christ is giving these woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. What he's telling them is this, is that the woes are cries for God, God's judge, just judgment in light of the action that deserves a divine response. He's telling them, hey, you're working incorrectly. And he gives them six different woes and he gives them responses. But the woes were specifically to be critiques of their pride and their self-assurance and their religious practices. Pride and self-assurance in your religious practices as opposed to having a humble heart before God, repenting, helping those who are most in need, looking at this world around us. I want us to think for a minute about what it means to be a Christian. There's many people who put on the title of Christian, but do we actually wear that as a badge of honor? You can go out and you can go get yourself a shirt 
that says, I love God. God is the light of the world. We can sing our God is an awesome God. We can do waves of mercy, waves of grace. We can do all these songs and such. And we can look outwardly appropriate as though we go to church. But Jesus Christ is concerned about the heart of the matter. Jesus Christ in this moment in time is rebuking the religious people because they were putting their burdens on those who were trying to follow after God. But amidst the concern for external righteousness, the heart was neglected. The heart was wicked. The woes were there. Rules existed for everything except for how to relate honestly to God and to others. And the self-importance of the person was replaced by humility and destruction, and it replaced the pursuit of God in our lives. We can come with our best suit on and tie. We can throw on our Jesus chain. We can wear the St. Michael necklace. But what is the heart? God is caring about our heart and how we interact with the people around us. Jesus calls them fools. He says, did he not make the outside and also make the inside? But give from what is within to the poor and everything is clean for you. He's reminding them in this moment in time that when you call yourself a rabbi, you call yourself a scribe, when you call yourself a teacher of the word of God, I believe it comes with a badge of honor. And we have to look at what it actually means for us to bear the name of God. There was a significance in the Old Testament for the Israelites and the Hebrews and the Jews because they were God's people called out to show the world the goodness of God. And in the New Testament now, as we are called Christians, little Christ, little Christ, we should have a badge of honor that displays his goodness, not so that we can get social acclaim, not that we can look at the world and people think that we're high and mighty, but it's because we know who God is. And we reflect his light. I want us to think about this for a minute. In the Old Testament, when it talks about the commandment, it says not to take God's name in vain. I was, I was reading, listening to a podcast this week. I'm nerdy throughout the week when I'm working. I listen to like podcasts and word studies. And this podcast was talking about a doctor and she was doing a word study on um, the commandment when it says, do not take the name of God in vain. Most of us believe that as don't say GD, don't say a bad word with God's name in there. But what she was saying is she said most scholars and people as they're studying this, they're recognizing that it actually means don't bear God's name and be a false or an incorrect witness. Don't take on God's name and then go out in the world and start putting these, these laws and, these, and these, these expectations on people that you yourself will not live out and work. Don't go out and be a hypocrite, essentially is what he is saying. And he right now in this moment in time is upset with the scribes and the Pharisees because he understands that they know the word of God and that they know the law, but they are not pursuing after justice and helping those who are most in need. He tells them right now in this moment in time, don't steal, don't steal, don't steal because God's going to provide for you. I'll pray for you, brother. You know, I know you got a little problems right now. You're sick right now. Ah, your refrigerator is not full. Ah, that sounds bad. I'm going to pray for you real quick. How about I pray for you and I give you the commandments and I help you then to fill your fridge. It's a practical way. We're seeing here in the woes, and we'll go over these woes next week, but the indictments that they are giving is that you're going through the rituals, but you're not caring about the people who are actually harmed by what's going on. You're bearing the name of Pharisee and scribe and rabbi, which is a very intensive way as to how you would become a teacher of the law, but you then did not actually honor his name by the way that you loved everyone else around you. Pharisees and scribes, were abusing the name of God. 
for their own personal gain. The abuse of his father's name was the response that he had right now. Many would think this is rude and this is something that's uncanny, but how do we in our lives look at those who defame God's name and how do we respond appropriately, even if it means that we have to be confrontational? Even if it means that we have to stop to our friend and say, hey, listen, I think you may be misinterpreting this word. Maybe if it, it means to us that we have to remember that the New Testament talks more about false prophets than it does hell. And that we have to remember that there are going to be people who sometimes hear this incorrect gospel and they are going to be at the place where they meet God and they'll say, Lord, Lord, I did this and this and this and this in your name. But God is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Our goal as Christians is to help people to know God, know God intimately. No different than when you are a coach, a coach basketball for years. If I have a kid who has a broken jump shot, would I allow him to stay in that broken jump shot? Would I allow him to be a detriment to the team? No, I love and I care and I instruct and I give them the right way on the how to fix that. And then you also work with them. This is what the call of Jesus Christ is. He's saying that it is an honor to bear the badge as a teacher for Jesus Christ. It is an honor for us to be Christians. It is an honor for us to go out into a weary world around us and to teach the word of God. But let's do so with the honor of God. For God inwardly and outwardly wants us to care about the world around us. And it's not just about the outward righteousness, us walking out this door, looking as though we are high and mighty and righteous. But are we willing to use our time, our talent and our treasures to give glory to God? Most of the time during the Thanksgiving season. How do we go about um, honoring God with our gifts for the church. God has really put on my heart, how do we use our time and our talents and our treasures as Christians and wearing this badge of honor and our thanksgiving for what God has given unto us, right? There are days I, I sit back and I just think to myself when I wake up in the morning and I'm getting Naomi ready for school and we're getting everything ready and we've got this house that's warm and we've got our cars. We have all these things that are basic amenities that most of us complain about. And my car wasn't warm when I got in it this morning. I had to take the trash out. It was leaking all over the place. Ah, somebody cut me off on my way to Subway, right? I went to get my Chipotle. I got real mad. How about we think about the goodness of God for him to give us a place where we can live in peace and harmony with each other. God has supplied us with a building and a place where we can meet and we can fellowship and we can love each other and we don't have to worry about persecution. God has given us the resources in our church to be able to help those who are most in need to a weary world and a community around us. The Pharisees and scribes had all of the resources to do so. Every resource in the world, but they were worried about their own self-interest. So Jesus rebuked them. He did so with attitude. I want to think about in our lives, how has Jesus Christ maybe rebuked us? How has Jesus Christ in our lives looked and said that you're, you're bearing the badge of Christian? And he asked us the question, are we bearing the badge in the name of God in vain? Or are we doing it so in a place where we glorify God fully with our times, our talents and our treasures? Are we truly thankful for God?
Do we see his goodness in our lives around us? And are we able to reciprocate that to a world around us and reflect that? I believe that God is calling us to do more than just sit in the pew, put the nice sign up on the building, do the nice activities that look good on social media. He's asking us to first look at our hearts inwardly during this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Look to where we have been rebuked. Look at where our heart has maybe missed the mark. And he's asking us now, how do we repent of those things? And how do we then become the church that God has called us to be? Church, I want to even say in myself, um, this is church time and stuff like that. I have to stop and repent for myself also for sometimes thinking that I have other ways of advancing and building our community as opposed to investing that time in the gospel. I, as a pastor, have missed the mark on that. And God has convicted my soul. He's said to me very directly in saying, is not the gospel strong enough? And is not the word of God and the conviction and the work that I do? Am I not powerful enough to change a community around you? Or are you going to try to continue to look at the world's tools to do so? And I repent of that as your all's pastor and saying that my commitment is to be more connected and doing so for the church and to support our community as a whole. And I pray that God convicts our hearts and our souls as the way that we bear the badges as teachers and preachers and just missionaries within our communities and Christians as a whole. Next week, we'll take some time to go through these six specific woes. I didn't want to just rush through them today. But I do want us to take time to um, partake in our communion. Um, at the end of our service, on the first and our last, or second and last service, we take time to do our communion. This is a time where we um, take our bread, which represents the body, and we partake of the juice, which is the, the blood of Jesus Christ. We ask that if you are a baptized believer, that you can partake of this with us. And in this time, um, Zach is going to help us to give out the communal items during this time. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of time for prayer as they are preparing that. And as we take our time for prayer, we just want to collectively ask that God, that you infiltrate our hearts. You ask us, where can we change the areas that we need to adjust? Where have we maybe missed the mark and how can you help us to live for you fully and bear your name with the honor of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we'll take a little bit of time.